Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is actually not a musical episode. <laughs> Put your horns away. I thought they were all musical episodes from here <laughs> yeah. forward. Yep. 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 <laughs> Minimum 17 songs per app. Hello, everyone. Hello. Oh, hi. It's we're a little intro. Here. We're here. We're here in the intro. Uh, we have a couple of things to say, uh, namely just a huge, oh my God, we love you and thank you for all that you have sent us over the last couple of weeks. I don't think I've ever experienced such love in my life uh, for anything that I've created. It really has been astounding yeah thank you for our flower crowns <laughs> thank you uh for your uh soy animal sacrifices <laughs> at our beautiful buffering altar uh i'm just feeling very grecian right now Apparently, you know yes soy <laughs> mount buff limpus uh but also the greek gods got up to some naughty shit so maybe i shouldn't align myself with them anyway <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about uh no we're here to, we're here to thank you uh, a couple weeks ago we released once more with once more with feeling you have all been delightful uh and it has been wonderful to share it with you um also we know that um some of you expected to get a bit of tabula and a bit of rasa in your feeds this week but um, you're going to have to wait one more week um, for us to sing goodbye to you. I told you. Oh, boy. Every episode can be a musical together. Oh, boy. Um, listen, but this week we have two episodes that are hitting your feet um, while you <laughs> await to tear your own beating heart out of your chest next week. That's right. Today's episode is a discussion on the making of our musical podcast episode, Once More with Once More with Feeling, which we taped live with many of you last Saturday. Uh, we also chat with special guests Latoya Ferguson, Mac McDade, and Laz Marquez, who created our incredible, beautiful, gorgeous artwork for this project. And really, like, whatever, you'll hear it, but I just feel like the energy that Laz brought into our podcast space was especially magical and, and like, brought us yes. to different places than we normally get in our conversations. So, you know, yeah. uh, just just a delight. Everyone, so glad to have everyone here uh, tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. You're going to be getting season three, episode eight of Angel on Top Quickening. We like things to be the way that they once were. And um, we've just been dying to get <laughs> Angel's episodes airing before Buffy's in the feed uh, so that they could match the order that they aired. So tomorrow we achieve that goal. Tomorrow you're going to get episode eight of Angel. And then the following week you're going to get episode eight of season six of Buffy discussed in your feeds. Oh, finally, some order. Also... In the interest of getting things to the way they once were, we'll be releasing our episodes exclusively on 8-track from here forward. <laughs> Tune your televisions uh, to the WB. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're going to hear us mention in this episode some videos and music and behind-the-scenes content that we'll be sharing with our patrons over the coming weeks and months from the creation of 
once more with once more with feeling today our five dollar patrons received a work tape of the uh, 14th song once more with feeling the titular song if you will <laughs> and next week our ten dollar patrons will get the first video of Kristen and i writing the music Kristen made so many videos uh <laughs> you can become a patron of ours by going to buffering the clicking on patreon and a reminder that all of our digital Patreon content is free for our Black and Indigenous listenership. Learn more and access that content at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash just keep fighting. Also, 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 music <laughs> is now on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, and vinyl. Our sexy little vinyl release <laughs> is up for pre-order in our U.S. store, of course, as you may already know. And also now our UK store. You can find all the relevant links at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash once more with feeling. Hell yes. A quick reminder to our Patreon book club members. We're going to be meeting this Saturday, February 27th at 2 p.m. Eastern. We are talking about Aiden Thomas's Cemetery Boys. It fucking rules. Even if you're not part of our book club, you should read this book. It is like a YA book. It's just really fucking great. Uh, to those of you who are listening to all of this and you're already patrons, you're already uh, part of our Patreon family, I, I just want to like take a second. I think we both just want to take a second to say a massive thank you uh, to all of you because the things that we have done this season especially, we could have mm -hmm. never done um, without your support. We would have not been able to create a musical podcast without your support. We would not have the incredible team of people that we now have working with us without that support. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the episodes that you're going to see this season, um, we're going to be doing some special episodes that dig deeper into themes of mental health, of consent, of addiction. Uh, and those are also happening because of you and your support. Um, and, you know, we're, we will literally never have the words to properly express that gratitude, but we just want to let you know that we carry it each and every day. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do uh, to support this. I can't speak for Kristen, but <laughs> I store my gratitude in my front left flannel chest pocket <laughs> right over my heart. <laughs> That's very sweet, Jenny. <laughs> Kristen probably has like a like a side zipper, like a hidden zipper pocket somewhere. Oh, on a you long, know what I sweater. have. I store my I store my gratitude in my tiny little fanny, fanny pack. pack oh yeah yeah oh nice. yeah like at the camp counselor i am uh, hell yeah <laughs> all right um we love you we hope you enjoy this little jaunt behind the scenes we're answering your questions we're talking to some rad people uh and hey we jenny and i will be back in your ears with all of our feelings in a week and tomorrow you're gonna get some latoya hooray. and some morgan hell yeah double hooray all right Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast wow. where we are usually talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer one episode at a time, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. 
And I am Kristen Russo. And I have to say that something I just realized in real time is that our introduction to the episode will forever now be a disappointment. I wanted to hear you sing it and you're not going to, we can't sing it every time, <gasps> but it, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. You want to give us a little, hello, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I'm Kristen Russo. <laughs> and as Jenny said, this is the one where we talk about the making of once more with once more with feeling what a time to be alive <laughs> uh warmly ensconced in the loving embrace of all these respectful and thoughtful queries that you've submitted mm -hmm. to us mm -hmm. a lot of you had a question that was generally like so how the fuck did you make this like what was the deal what's the process it is probably a good place to start of like how we began uh with the writing of this thing well, I think that we watched, we, we individually watched the episode and then we had a meeting where we talked through the episode and pointed out things where we thought uh, there could be songs, the things that we felt like we were discussion points that were big enough that we could maybe make a song around them. And I yeah. think uh, the first one was Ren Fair Dresses. It was the biggest mystery of the episode. Yes. Ren you know. Fair Renfair on Renfair dresses and levitatolingus. Is that how we say it? I don't know that I've said yes. it out loud to a group of people. Correct. I've got a question, a tiny question. Don't you think something like, say, levitation would require an awful lot of concentration? Maybe we wrote this sort of it didn't occur to me how complicated the writing process was until I realized that we had a podcast and 17 songs and like they needed to be put together to make a whole and and like just yeah, for the welcome record, to hell, Kristen. We spent we spent and I only realized this uh, after the fact, but we spent like six months creating this the music, and then I had six days to take the, <laughs> the podcast and like make it fit with the music, which was um difficult, but we but we did it. We persevered and we did it. Um and yeah, Jenny, you're right. Uh, Levitatolingus was the first one. Uh, initially, we thought that the way we were going to approach the songs was by like basically podcasting because we wanted to stay authentic in our voices. Like we didn't want to write lyrics just to write lyrics. We wanted my lyrics to be things that I would say and Jenny to sing lyrics that she would say. And so the, the that was the first song. And what we did for that song was we sat down just like this and talked about that scene talked about that song and the whole thing mm -hmm. and then we used mm -hmm. that conversation to inform the lyrics and the music and everything else and i think that was the only time we did that after that we were like this is a lot so we're just gonna write the song yeah we uh wrote on zoom mm. once a week then twice a week then Forever. every day <laughs> i don't know we started in august yeah. <laughs> now we're here. We wrote a lot. Okay. So Cricket, Jenny, Cricket from Rhode Island, by the way, I'm so excited that we know where all of you are from, asked, um, how much actual work and time did this require compared with, <laughs> compared with what you expected? Um, did your past experience with, uh, you know, episodic songs, jingles, give you an accurate sense of how it would go? Uh, and do you feel like collaborating remotely added difficulty? We thought when we started that we were going to write, what, four songs, Jenny? 
Yeah, four songs, few jingles. Four songs, couple jingles. You know? Then we like upped it. And then we upped it again. And then we we hit 14 and we were like, whoa. And we were like, we're basically, that's basically 17. Bit, yeah, so. like if we're going to do 14, we might as well take it to a one-to-one situation. So we didn't really have a plan. The plan had us is, I think, the truth of this episode, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. Jenny and I get excited. Like that's our biggest, I think it's our biggest strength and our biggest downfall. <laughs> it's like, Correct. <laughs> like once we got excited, we like couldn't stop. I mean, the mustard song, uh, not to jump ahead because I know we're going to get there. But like that song literally like j- I, we were just sitting and, and chatting and Jenny was like, shut the fuck up. I got a song. And like just pl- I mean, you just played it and sang the lyrics and it was there. It, like just gave birth to itself. I've got a bone to pick. Mustard doesn't stain unless you mix it. Okay, so the thing that I wanted to touch on when we were talking earlier is uh, addresses a question from Bridget, Jenny. Um, Bridget is in London Uh uh uh, and wanted to know if it's made our work partnership closer. Uh, And I like, I'll let you answer that. What do you think? I think so. I'll write my answer down over here and then you can see if they match. What the hell? (laughs) Uh, No, I think, I think absolutely. I think, um, you know, the shorthand evolves is really the thing. You know, the more cumulative hours that we spend working on this general project overall, the easier it is and also the harder it is because like I think the more we do it, the more we kind of want to keep raising the bar and and exploring new stuff and making it more and more exciting for for you all and our, also ourselves. Yeah. Um but you know, I think like the the track record and the foundation of of doing the work together, like the more we do together, the the better we work. I think. Yeah. No. I mean, opposite. I, dead opposite. Kristen. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, Jenny. This is actually the last episode yeah. we're ever doing. Uh, it ruined us. No. It. I agree a thousand percent. Um. I think that this strengthened our work relationship in a way that maybe nothing else could have because we just were just by the math like together every day, multiple times a day, talking about this thing, doing this thing. And I also think that like the songwriting process between you and I, Jenny, it has really taken a very strong shape that um, Mm -hmm. I remember like years ago, you know, Jenny would be like quiet and I would be like, well, what's happening? What are you thinking? What are you doing? You know what I mean? And like over... Over, mm-hmm. But like over time, I've learned what it looks like to watch you write a song, you know, and what it lo- or like what it looks like to watch you like sit inside of like a melody and like try to get it out of your brain into reality. And like, I know what that looks like on your face. I know what it looks like in real time. And so a lot of the video that we have um, is us sitting and like I know that what Jenny is doing is working out something you know and I know that like there are so many times when Jenny you struggle with like what is what is this what am I trying to say you know like what's the goal and so Mm -hmm. I can throw things on the board like okay so this is a song about x and I think verse one should tackle this verse two should tackle this and verse three should tackle this uh and that like gets you off to the races and so we Mm -hmm. we just have um it's been really fucking cool. It's been really fucking cool, especially to write this many songs together um, in such a short span of time. I think I was able to yeah. see how much we've grown as like a, a creative partnership. Agree. 
May I take a moment to read what is not a question, but a very important bit of information from Kat in Pittsburgh? I'm ready. Kat wrote in to say, uh, just a quick comment. One of the lines of Anya's bunny song is, what's with all the carrots? And as a bunny owner, I have the answer Anya and Kristen, who agrees that it's a fair question, are looking for. Carrots being a staple of a rabbit diet uh, is actually a myth. Invented by, drum roll, Looney Tunes. I added the drum roll. Uh, Bugs Bunny eating carrots was originally- Classic or- rabbit propagandists, <laughs> Looney Tunes. Bugs Bunny eating carrots uh, was originally a riff on a scene in the movie It Happened One Night. In the movie, Clark Gable's character mansplains hitchhiking while eating carrots. He talks with his mouth full. It's a bizarre scene. Maybe it worked better in 1934. The popularity of Bugs Bunny has now far overtaken the film. Uh, this has led to the widespread belief that carrots are what rabbits eat. But in reality, very important if you're a new bunny owner, carrots are far too high in sugar to be a staple of a rabbit diet. Rabbits have extremely delicate digestive systems. In fact, one of the main causes of death in a rabbit is GI stasis, a fancy name for constipation. An ideal diet for a rabbit is 80% high quality hay. That's also the name of my future memoir. 80% high quality hay. Um, With the rest being a combination of leafy grains. So listen, um, now you know, bunnies should not be Eating too many carrots. Myth they can have proved. a little bit as a treat. <laughs> uh, Frank occasionally has a baby carrot as a treat. A ba- just a baby carrot? Just a little carrot? Yeah. He's small. <laughs> okay, I like that. I enjoy that. Jenny, do you want to talk about the the next thing that I have in this little document? Uh, because you were yes. kind of dragged yes. on the internet, in my opinion. I don't identify with the experience of having been um <laughs> dragged this just uh to me i would identify this as someone sharing useful inf- information from their field of expertise okay. which i deeply appreciate as do i as a dry cleaner i have a bone to pick with jenny how dare you Ah, uh, they continue. Whether or not mustard stains clothes depends on the kind of mustard. Any kind that has a food coloring or dye in it to make it more yellow, think French's classic mustard. I often do think French's classic mustard. Thank you. Uh, can definitely stain clothes without being mixed with anything else. Food coloring and food dyes can stain. Jane, I deeply appreciate this. I believe you. I respect you. I respect While I respect French's (laughs) classic mustard, it's not like the mustard I think of when I think of mustard. I generally think of a spicy brown, but I'm so happy to have this knowledge. I'm so happy I didn't have this knowledge before we made the episode because I would have felt very conflicted about Mm. keeping the song. Um, So it's done now. It can't be undone. Mustard has been vindicated no matter what mustard says. No matter what the dry cleaner says, mustard has been vindicated by Jenny Owen Young's. I <clears throat> yes. Well, you heard it here. Fake news there about was. mustard. Um, so should we, I don't know, talk to somebody who's not you or me for a minute? Nothing would bring me more pleasure <laughs> than that. How about a big fucking nerd? Is there a big fucking nerd uh anywhere? Anywhere around? That, yeah, you is- two. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> How dare I can't can't believe you like I came in after the mustard tangent. (laughs) 
I was like, okay, a great segue for LaToya is uh, we'll sing about mustard. <laughs> I don't much do care you... for the yellow mustard. I, I can do a brown mustard, but I won't like go out of my way to get a mustard situation going. So you're what like- What is your most beloved condiment? Mm, great question. It depends. It depends on the food situation. Like I like a ketchup sure, with sure. my fries, but I'm not going to be a, a, a psychopath and have it like with my steak, you know? <laughs> sure. Yes. No judgment if you like ketchup on your steak. No absolute judgment, Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) You like a well-done steak with ketchup? What is wrong (laughs) with you? Hi, LaToya. Hi, LaToya. Hello, Jenny. Hi, Kristen. (laughs) Where to begin? I mean, well, you tell us. What do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about this episode of television? Or do you want to talk about the process of writing, singing, creating big fucking nerds where do you want to begin let's talk about the process first i think people want to know about the process (laughs) yeah people love a process yes uh yeah you guys asked me to sing and i was terrified (laughs) that's the process (laughs) there's a whole lot of reasons that we could be seeing the singing from out of nowhere might be time in the season when shows end up needing an uptick in listens and shares you don't have a shark you can jump but you have to get over that hump are you any less terrified now that you totally ripped it up and uh, destroyed it and no, made everyone happy? <laughs> hmm. Have you heard the song, Latoya? Like, have you, <laughs> yeah, have you that listened to it? That is a good question. It? Yeah, I, it was very painful for me. <laughs> no! What? Not for anything you guys did. <laughs> Do you want to, Jenny, you should talk about the way, the motivation that you uh, used for Latoya. First of all, I want to say, I want to just like give... Everybody who contributed any uh, vocals or anything else to this recording, such uh, high, high, high praise because due to pandemic circumstances, we couldn't make this the way that I would want to make it, which is if I'm asking Latoya or anybody else to sing or perform for a musical thing, like that's a very vulnerable situation to, to no matter who you are, it's it's a vulnerable situation to come into. And what my what my preferred method of working uh, with somebody on a vocal is like to be in a studio with them and to uh, have everything that you would want to like feel comfortable and safe and like have lighting options and like just be able to kind of like go through everything uh, <laughs> together or, you know, leaving space where LaToya or whomever would want it. But unfortunately, we couldn't do any of that. We couldn't record in Pro Tools where like I could control something where LaToya could hear, you know, like be like, I'd like my voice louder or quieter or whatever while I'm recording. We were working remotely with folks who very graciously agreed to our uh, seat of the pants method of recording, which was instrumental in the ear, microphone in the face, fucking just going for it with like very limited uh resources in terms of like how vocals usually get done Latoya you are amazing you did so many takes you were so kind you sent us so many beautiful tracks and I listened and I was like nice 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 this is all coming together but I feel like there's one thing missing and then I said Latoya could you do a few more takes but could you imagine yourself wearing a very tall top hat uh that would lend i think some some gravitas and some uh is there a comic book uh like villain who has a magical top hat i was thinking of the the, the, the miss frog not 
Oh, not yeah. a villain, but like Zatanna wears a top hat. Big top hat energy, Latoya Ferguson. I have a vague memory, and you'll have to remind me, Latoya, but I'm pretty sure that you sang the nerds, nerds, nerds chorus to the tune of another song. I did. I don't remember which one, though, right now, actually. Do you remember? Because I know I did. I truly don't. Do you, Jenny? Uh, Kasabian. It was Kasabian. Oh, Oh, yes. It was Clubfoot by Kasabian. (laughs) (laughs) And oh, oh, that's why I can't remember. How does that go again? I hate you. It goes... Yes! Nerds and nerds and nerds. Nerds and nerds and nerds. Uh-huh. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I will oh, take it. Great job. Great job. Uh Latoya, if if we asked you tomorrow to do it again, would you? <laughs> I would um have a panic attack, but I guess yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, then we will not we won't we we don't want to inspire any panic attacks, but yeah, you fucking knocked it out of the park. It's the best. Uh, LaToya, you off mic uh, told us earlier that you have a particular experience of watching Once More with Feeling for the first time. Do you want to tell us about that? Uh, Yeah, because so I watched it technically live, um, but where I was living, we didn't have uh, UPN. So we still only had like the WB affiliate. And so our WB affiliate was actually, um, which I because I was researching this, uh, a secondary UPN affiliate. So it would air certain UPN shows like Star Trek Voyager and Buffy, but it like wouldn't air them like when they originally aired. So I think I watched this episode on like the next night on Wednesday before Dawson's Creek. So like it aired like before primetime too. And it was interesting because so originally watching it for me, because even though it was technically the premiere, it was already like the syndication run cutting off parts of the song. Oh, wow. And then when I downloaded the episodes from LimeWire, uh, they also hmm. ha- like had the parts of the song cut off. So like I, for the longest time, didn't know like the full versions of certain songs. And like I would see the lyrics. I'm like, I've never seen these lyrics. Like, uh, I've got a feeling it doesn't matter. I'm like, I've never heard this lyric before in my life. Huh. <laughs> like, we're- yeah. Um, and I know you were cracking on uh, Dawn, like reciting, you know, the hardest part uh, of life is like uh-huh. is to live in it. Um, in that version, that doesn't happen. We don't know what the resolution is. We didn't know that Xander did the thing. <gasps> what? What? It just kind of ends, and we don't know why. I want to see the syndicated version. Also, we already got an email from somebody uh, titled The Clanger Line, which gave us some um, feedback on their take that, that that line was very important from Dawn, even though we didn't like it. Because we, do you have an opinion on this, LaToya? I feel well, like I saw an living opinion in a flash world, through your eyes. Well, living in a world without having that line and then seeing it, like it, it hits better when you see it. Yeah. Without it, it doesn't. Uh, again, that wow. whole finale kind of... Um, for at least for the conclusion to the sweet thing, like it falls apart, really, if mm-hmm. you don't have a, a bunch of that. And also, huh. you say you want to see that, um, like that version of it. Originally, Netflix put that version of uh, on, on, yeah, instead of putting the full version, people were like, what the <laughs> fuck? Somebody, wait, I think somebody named Lindsay, I think, in the chat just said that they would have preferred if Don sang that line or found mm. a way to sing that line where I feel like that would make yeah yeah the person i'm so sorry to whoever you are who emailed us i don't have the like ability uh to find your email while live on the internet here but um (laughs) (laughs) i know my limits okay um but they were saying that basically like we needed to see that we needed to see the character of dawn have that realization Mm, like that's able to like 
give that back to Buffy, exactly like it wasn't necessarily about us needing to see us needing to hear that line but it was about us needing to see that dawn was there um after like basically seeing that her sister had given up on everything um so yeah. fair yeah fair okay it's what you get when your you know listenership is way smarter than you you just mm-hmm. just constantly learning <laughs> latoya just me your song was opining about the reasons for a musical episode of TV. And so I'm just wondering if you want to expand it all on musical episodes of television. This one and like where it falls, but also just in general. Fan? Not a fan. Like where? where... <laughs> I'm a fan. This is the best TV musical episode there is. Um, also, before uh, I get into that, I just want to say you guys didn't address something in the episode, which is my favorite part of the episode which is Amber Benson clearly bumping into a beam and you see her laughing during uh, during the musical number because she just walked into a fucking beam. <laughs> it's so obvious and give you something to think about. I noticed it like from the first time I saw the episode. Oh, they didn't cut that part God. out. <laughs> okay, so tell us, your, you love this this episode. What Do you think that show should still keep me making musical episodes or do you think it's gotten carried away? It's gotten carried away in a post-Glee world because now it's not so much about, like, the the storytelling of it. It's about um, iTunes sales. <laughs> That's what it is. Mm. It's about making money because, like, Glee made, like, so much fucking money off of that. And, you know, they were talented uh, artists, so it, it that, that helps. <laughs> but, like, now you're getting, like... You know, Disney Channel, because it's kind of the Disney Channel thing where, like, they make these kids, like, you have to sing even if they, they shouldn't be singing. Well, also, like, the thing about this musical, Once More With Feeling, is that, and the thing that gave me the confidence that I needed to be able to attempt singing so much of it, was that I really felt like a lot of them don't know how to sing. I mean, they do a good job, but you're not listening to it because you are like, wow, this is like such incredible vocal work. You're you're into it because you're so attached to the characters. Um mm-hmm. and and so you don't you don't mind that they're not like, you know, doing these incredible like riffs or or hitting these incredible notes. Um so it works for Buffy, I think, but it sounds like in other shows which I am less familiar with. It, it is yeah, as well. because with other shows, they're also uh, like the Riverdale thing. They're pretending that these people can sing. Whereas like something mm. like the Scrubs musical, which I don't love, but like even though everyone's not a great singer, they're still it's like story wise, it still works and it makes sense for the show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, someone mentioned Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which was also part of the inspiration for Big Fucking Nerds because I, yeah. I made them watch Cold Water Leads yes. to Crack. Yeah, uh, we watched that all together. <laughs> <laughs> It's because, um, again, the Glee thing, these musicals have become so consumer driven and, you know, they care more about like the the fandom reaction than actual like advancing the story or telling a good story or making things make sense, which is, again, the river away. But you know what I mean? Latoya, I know that Jenny sort of delivered a beautiful like songwriter ode to you and all of your efforts and your incredible song. But I just want to also thank you for being a part of our musical episode and for being here with us to talk about your feelings on musicals. Thank you. And is there anything that I that we didn't ask you that you want to just, you know, put here in this very important podcast space? Um, Tara and Willow's Outfits. Because of this episode of television, when I think of the couple, I think of those outfits first, honestly. It's also like when you Google like uh, Tara and Willow gifts, like honestly, one of the most frequent gifts that comes up is them in those dresses. So they're really like stamped on our brains forever. 
Mm-hmm. I'm under their spell. Wow. Wow. Do you think that Willow is uh, floating while she ad- administers whatever sort of... <laughs> uh, That's it. I have to go. Service. Okay. <laughs> or do you think she's on the ground? Okay, she's but on the ground. She's okay. on the bed, but she's probably just kneeling. Well, yeah. Uh, gotta go okay that's it Latoya's out <laughs> Latoya suddenly remembers an appointment an urgent appointment uh we love you Latoya thank you for being here and um hey we'll see you like real soon talking about a vampire who can't keep his fucking shirt buttoned Ooh. <laughs> okay. oops bye everyone bye, bye Latoya Moving along, uh, a few more questions from uh, the Scoops. Bree mm. Bree from San Diego, uh, who I see in the chat also, you said, was the episode discussion itself more scripted than normal in order to set up uh, and come out of the songs? Also, Jenny was in Godspell? So maybe we should start there. <laughs> uh, yes, I was in Godspell. What, were you in any other musicals? This is a great time for us to talk about the musicals. We I was uh, aptly actually in a musical. I'm going to guess that the, 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 my community children's theater put this on because it was so affordable. It's a musical called The Dracula Spectacula. Oh, yeah. And I was in like a Renaissance Fair adaptation of The Wizard of Oz called the lizard of oz you were basically your <laughs> elementary school teacher like jenny owen young's was <laughs> the teacher of jenny owen young's in fucking kindergarten. <laughs> yeah so that's your know, full man. that's your resume that's your theater that's resume. my full musical resume yes thank you i was in um camelot uh joseph and the technicolor Dreamcoat, pippin mm-hmm. And mm. once upon a mattress. That's my and also some other like something follies, somebody's follies. I was in that like as like a it wasn't like the main stage musical. Those are our credentials for having created what we've created for you here. Ta-da. Um was the episode discussion itself more scripted? I just want to go back to that conversation, Brie. Uh it it was that was what was actually so so complicated about putting it together was that once we had the music, we knew we needed to get in and out of the songs, but we also knew that, like, Jenny and I don't do well scripted. You know, we, we don't, like, the, the whole the whole fucking deal with being on a podcast, and this podcast in particular, is that we just talk, and, like, we don't know where we're going to go or where we're going to wind up. And so it was um, structured. I sort of, like, made a giant document um, that had ideas on how we could get in and out of the songs and like the points of like the scenes that fell between those songs which was tricky because sometimes we would sing a song in our musical before we would get to the song that it corresponded to and sometimes it was the reverse so I gave us like a little map um but very much did not script us um and so we normally don't edit too much out of our episodes but in this episode we came at some of the transitions two or three times um to get them sounding more natural and and better with the the general thing you know what was so nuts was that like when when nerds when big fucking nerds was written it starts and we're saying like they've got a theory oh fuck we're singing and it sounds like there's 20 of us because in our mind at the time we were going to be like how did we wind up in this musical episode But the first time that I listened to our conversation, I was like, oh, these songs work so much better when we're like self-aware of the fact that we're singing. 
So getting out of Hello and Welcome and into Nerds and then out of Nerds was the hardest, I think, to figure out, um, was like the hardest to unlock because we didn't write it as a cohesive piece <laughs> at all. <laughs> Good job. That's, do you have anything to add? Do you, sorry, I, I <laughs> talked a lot. No, no, no. Uh, Chris, Kristen is the structure, one of us. So uh, she did a great job <laughs> making sure that everything landed where it was supposed to land. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the divorce song? Because a few people had questions about that. But take it from two girls who've been down the line. There's no knot so knotted. It can't be untied. You can always get divorced. You can Chandler divorced. from Massachusetts. How is it to sing and talk about your divorce in a public setting? Well, we've certainly talked about our divorce in a public setting for a long time, since the minute it happened, as a matter of fact. Um, but was the process of writing a song cathartic or stressful? And Chandler continues, would you recommend public song to other couples navigating mm. friendship after divorce? <laughs> well, you know, you got to determine if it's right for you. But it's true. Uh, I, I think it rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a spin. It can't get any worse, right? Like they say with with so much, timing is everything. And I think that if it were a year ago, I'm sure we would not have been able to like write or sing that song. But we've had some time and space and it felt it felt very fun. Um, and it felt and it, and it also yeah. like I will say and, and Jenny, you know, some of this, but not all of it because I'm in the email inbox. But um I just thought, I think we both just thought, like, this will be funny. It's very, like, tongue-in-cheek. Like, if you know, you know. Turns out not everybody <laughs> knows because Twitter had a whole fucking moment with, like, people who didn't know we were ever married and people who didn't know we were yet divorced. But um, a lot of people have written in in, like, these really heartfelt, powerful ways to talk about, like, their parents getting divorced or themselves getting divorced and, like, hearing the word divorce in this like very like fun, funny, joyous way. And like thinking about divorce as um, uh, like as something that you can do in love, not only love for each other, but like love for yourself and like love for for what you need and, and what have you. And I didn't anticipate any of that coming from the song, I think probably because we're just both so close to it. But I don't know, Jenny, you're you're a kid of divorce. Did it make you feel better? Did our song make you feel better about your own parents divorce? Uh, it did not. <laughs> okay. Fair, uh, fair. but my own parents' divorce probably got helped me get to a place where I could write that song. So like, yeah, it was cool. It was the right time. It was just the right time. If it had been sooner, yeah. probably wouldn't have gotten there. I'm gonna go to Lauren. Uh, Lauren Eggert Crow, who you know maybe uh for many things. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Uh, has been on this podcast before, runs uh, Sunnydale Ham, a uh, mashup of Buffy and the musical Hamilton. So appropriate, a musical and Buffy. Lauren wrote, one of my favorite things about Once More With Feeling is the use of the word apocalypse, which is from the Greek word meaning reveal or uncover. Buffy sings, what's in this place that we can't weather? Apocalypse? By the end of the episode, they've all revealed deep secrets, and it turns out that's the one thing they actually can't weather. They can't handle knowing what they now know about each other or having their own secrets known. My question is, 
Where do you think the Scoobies could have adjusted their course to avoid ending up in the mess they're in now? Is this corrosion in their relationships the inevitable result of years of trauma? Or could they have made different decisions before they got to this point? What advice would you give them in earlier seasons so they could get to a place where Apocalypse didn't break them? I have an answer. I think that it feels like fragmentation within the group intensified after Buffy's death at the end of season five. Giles making his plans to go back to England. Uh, Dawn and Spike are both being kept out of the loop as well about the Willow, Tara, Xander, Anya plan Mm -hmm. to resurrect Buffy. I mean, I know that's only just like a stone's throw back, but like I feel like that's an earlier indicator that things are like not as they should be. There's like not trust being extended in every direction. And like maybe if the Scoobs had been transparent with Giles, you know, Buffy's resurrection never would have been allowed to happen. But if they had been able to be uh, united in that Mm -hmm. way, they might have been able to create a a softer, more understanding uh, landing pad for her to come back. Yeah. Also, there's probably a lot of stuff before that. No, no. I I mean, I think that 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 was really I think that makes a lot of sense. And you're making my brain sort of jump back even farther to just the general like the general lack of communication about what they're all doing and what their roles are I think is just a glaring absence in their cohesion like Willow and Xander and Cordelia if we're going to go back you know to the beginning seasons they are fighting side by side with Buffy and like the thing that I think is so fucked up I mean there are many fucked up things about what happens in Once More with Feeling but seeing Giles say like we're not going with her we're not going to help her she's going on her own is just such a jarring moment and it's jarring because for years Buffy has not fought alone even though that's supposed to be the way that the Slayer moves through the universe and so it's like no one has ever really talked about like really holistically talked about the fact that Buffy is different from other Slayers because she has this unit of fighters. They've never actively trained these Scoobies to fight alongside of her. Everything they've learned, they've picked up as they've gone. Um, And I think that I think that many years ago, a conversation could have and should have been had about like the fact that they were working together. And what did that mean? What does that mean? And how how do they work together? And what are their expectations of each other? And what are the limits they have? Like, what are their boundaries? That that doesn't exist. Um, So those are some of my thoughts. Those are good thoughts. (sighs) Talk to each other, as Lauren is saying in the chat directly right now. Yes. Communicate with each other. Have a conversation. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. 
Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I would like to have a conversation. Uh, Me too! Who would you like to talk to, Jenny? With Laz. I really want to talk to Laz. <laughs> Laz, are you here? Are you? <gasps> yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Thank for you so much for here. being here. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Jinx. Um, also, thank you so much for making us look so cool. You're so uh, amazingly talented. How do you fucking explain yourself? <laughs> Heavy-hitting questions from Jenny Odiaks. Well, uh, I don't know. I've been drawing (laughs) since I was like two, went to school for it, and I love it. I I, I would assume it's similar for you in music, and I would assume it's similar for anybody who has any sort of passion for any sort of art form or whatever they do uh, day to day. It's such an organic, weird thing to uh, to really talk about. Well, your your like Venn diagram of art and the subject that you often you're the genre of your illustrations uh, was like so. We've we've been in each other's orbit for a long time because we've seen. If you don't know, I'm assuming that if you're here, you know. But if you don't know, you should check out Laz, who's the link to your uh, work is in the show notes, and we'll put it in the chat. But you do, you've done like episodic Buffy posters for how many seasons? So it has been, uh, I'm nearing the end of season two. Uh, I do that stuff like in between my uh, client work. Mm -hmm. So it's like a passion project similar to, I'm sure how you guys started. And it's just something that like makes me happy. And I listen to the podcast. (laughs) because podcasts for me are just like easier to digest. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of artists watch 
like TV shows. I know SVU is like a really big one for some reason huh. <laughs> uh, for artists to watch, I think because it's episodic. But yeah, for me, I, I listen to you guys and it helps and inspires me with, uh, with everything I do. Can I be selfish for a second and ask you about your feelings on Freddy Krueger? Because I know that you've done so many fucking incredible drawings. Uh, drawings? I'm like saying, I like feel like I don't have the terminology. I'm like, your drawings, your <laughs> illustrations, your painting, your... <laughs> this is like the other day when the episode came out, Kristen's mom texted her at night and was like, oh, honey, do you have your play today? <laughs> She keeps saying it. She's like, so are you done with the play now? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> kind of, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Can, like, like, tell us your origin story because you are so focused on fantasy, horror. Like, that is your jam with your art. And so, like, what's your origin? Where did you, how did you, how did you get here? So, like, really early on in my life, my, uh, my family, specifically uh, my mom and dad, they were big into like movies and TV. The first two movies I think I saw at probably like two years old from what I've been told were A Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, the Muppet movie. <laughs> so it kind of explains my personality. Uh, so I'm like all like dark and moody and emo. And then also like, like really like goofy and like kind of like weird offhand sarcasm humor. And that just kind of like led into uh, my art forms. So uh, throughout, you know, like grammar school and high school, I was again, very like emo. Like I listened to like everything from, uh, you know, dashboard confessional <laughs> all things. And, and played guitar at the coffee shops and, and drew like really dark things and then evolved through college to kind of get to like a, a weird like Frida Kahlo phase where like it became like much more uh, kind of inward facing and being able to express outward mm -hmm. to hopefully like help others uh, with what they were feeling or, or something that maybe empathically they could feel and then yeah, I just kind of took my love of pop culture and that emo side of me and combined the two and that's where I'm at now. And it's like so hard to, you know, identify like when you look back on your life up to this point, or at least I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, you know, it's like we can like sort of assess where we were at when we got interested in the thing we're interested in and like look at the sort of like touchstones and stuff, but it's also just like, you're also in some ways just like a snowball rolling down a hill for your whole life, just becoming more and more of the thing that you are, you know? Yeah. And it, it, it also really connected with me, uh, I, I believe earlier when uh, Kristen was saying your process of being quiet. For a long time, I felt bad about being quiet within my process because people wanted to know so badly. And sometimes it's just really hard to articulate like what that is and how you like string those pieces together and how it becomes something uh, different. So like for me, the, the less questions and like a little bit of space, at least in the beginning, 
helps until I'm ready to like give it off and like get some sort of like feedback. Cause I think feedback is also like super important. Just hearing you talk about th- that, like that silence for you and thinking about like how difficult it was in the beginning for me to understand what was happening in that silence, like just makes me think in a much larger sense of just how uncomfortable so many of us are with silence that like my I mean, I feel like my entire life has been like filling the spaces of silence, which I guess is my root story of how I became a podcaster. <laughs> just filling the silence all the time. But but truly, like, I think that it's so hard to sit with a pause even. Well, I think I, I think what's so interesting about that as well is like I kind of identify as like an introverted extrovert. Um, so like silence sometimes is not really okay for me. Um, but like within my process, I need it at times, not always. So I understand, uh, like other people and like the discomfort that happens with that. I have plenty of artist friends who are like, they want to talk about like their process and like create together and all this stuff. Um, and that makes perfect sense to me. Someone asked us, I don't know my Myers-Briggs. I don't, I didn't do it. I don't know what it is. But you saying that you're an introverted extrovert is very interesting to me because I, I very much identify as an extroverted introvert. Like I'm the opposite, you know, like I'm always filling up the space by talking, but I never want to be, you know, I'm just like, shut up, shut up, stop. (laughs) I just want to go away, but I'm always talking. (laughs) Jenny, how do you identify? Uh, But I think I'm a solid, uh, solid introvert extrovert split and that's all I can really say just it's situational I think for me but I think I would say more introverted extrovert than extroverted introvert I'm pointing at you both where you are on my phone but probably not yeah you you I mean I know like obviously Laz I don't know you very well but I do know Jenny quite well and Jenny you you and I are are quite quite opposite from each other. I think that a lot of people would think that Jenny was an introvert um in a lot of ways and she is so I mean you you're always like wanting to hang out, wanting to chat, wanting to talk. Like you love talking to humans. Um whereas I'm always fucking talking to people and I never want to be. Like that's like the sorry. I don't like I don't mean that. I love you everyone all. in the chat who you've ever had like, a conversation with everybody. is like no. going through their fucking files. <laughs> So, okay, so I, first of all, all of you in the chat, I promise, Jenny, let us make a commitment that before the end of season six, we will get our Myers-Briggs. We will, we will find out and confirm for the people if what they think is true is true or not. Mm, We will do it. We will do it for you. We will do it. Laz, is there anything that you want to talk to us about that we didn't ask you about? I I think the only other thing that I want to say, and again, like very emo, uh, is my mother passed away about a few years ago from breast cancer, um, which was a very impactful thing. And then literally like a month or two after I, uh, got divorced from my husband. Um, so like, it was a really, really tough time. Uh, I was also listening to you, to the two of you, uh, through it. So it helped a lot. So thank you. But what I will say is Buffy, for everything that it's given us um, and everything it's given me since I started watching it from the very beginning in 1997, 
it's it's immeasurable. Um, and specifically, I would say the body. I remember specifically after my mom passed, uh, my husband at the time told me, hey, like maybe you should watch that episode. And I was like, nope, <laughs> not ready. Like it's been a week, can't mm. do it. And then maybe, I don't know, a year later I did. And it was uh, helpful at that time when I was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's nothing more powerful than a show that can give back to you uh, with its narrative and with the power of its, you know, cast, crew, creators, writers, et cetera, that help heal, or not even heal, because those things may not heal all the time uh, yeah. or ever, but uh, it helped mm-hmm. at the time. The, the, like, notion of grief as something that you, like, move through or, like, go past is such a like it's just such a lie right like it doesn't go away Mm -hmm. like that and I I think like one of the more powerful things that came from our journey through that episode in particular was being able to articulate that with so many people who have lost um like I see people in the chat right now saying thank you so much for sharing um thank you thank you thank you there's just so much gratitude in being able to share that experience because it's it doesn't have a shape like it doesn't have a form it's not linear somebody said joe said it's not linear um and having something that we can like hold on to in that loss is so powerful so thank you for sharing it with us you yeah yeah there's just like that's that's the point right like that is it that's I'm sure like such a driving force behind the art that you're creating and like behind the conversations that we're having and and the reason that we're all here is that like we all just kind of need a foothold in whatever the fuck this is that we're living you know like what is this thing and and the Mm. the ability to like look at something that someone else has created and to say this means x to me what does it mean to you it like gives us this point of unity and like com- conversation and and an ability to sort of just say like i'm a human <laughs> what do you got over there i'm a human too okay well I, I i will say like one of the other poignant kind of aspects uh specifically to the episode that you guys just beautifully produced was uh, the song Once More with Feeling. Mm. so much and I played it on loop because it was just again very poignant uh, not only for like right now but I think for how so many people are feeling in like so many different ways like whether it be the pandemic or whether it be like in their own lives 
I've been there before. There's days where I feel that way. It just touched me so much. And it's, it's again, I still have the tab open <laughs> for it uh, because every so often I'm like, eh, I need an, uh, I need a good cry. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Owen Young's given us good cries since 1998. That's all I ever set out to do. Do you want to talk oh. about that song at all, Jenny? You know, I think like when we got to the point in in the the writing process where we we're getting towards the end of the episode and we realized like, oh, we really kind of need some the thing that will be the seventh song like for uh lack of a better way of looking at it the seventh song on the seasonal cd you know the seasonal album when we when we wrap season six what will be the thing that stands for this episode that has that is just completely full of music and how do we find something that 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 works in our voices and also you know in in from buffy's perspective um and uh luckily question mark we are living in a moment in time where it is like very accessible to find uh deep valleys of sorrow uh they're just right there they're ready for you um and i i think like we're uniquely positioned i guess on the timeline uh to kind of find this song that works for us about the episode and us about life and uh buffy about her uh, return to life and the the uh, confusion and maybe even sort of horror that she is experiencing on a daily basis trying to just make sense of her own existence when her existence doesn't make sense how did i do you did a great job <laughs> did such a good job i wow. like song music pretty <laughs> But it, the, actually, uh, like, I will say this, and then, Les, I won't make you stay here on screen while we t yammer about, but I will say that I think that my favorite, the my favorite experience of songwriting with you, Jenny, has always been those songs where we know that we're trying to sing, a, I mean, we're trying to create a song about the episode, but we're also trying to, you know, and we really pulled on um, Prophecy Girl just keep fighting just keep fighting that's what i'm supposed to do once the like skeleton of once more with feeling was there jenny had like in a work tape that that our patrons will get that there was like a um La da 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 da, and it was just it was there were no words, and then we came back to that skeleton, and and it was like this needs were like this this la da 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 because it could have been it, that could have been the song it didn't it didn't necessarily require the lyric, but um, we felt like we really wanted to put that like just keep fighting into that melody, and so then we came back to it and added lyrics that were not just keep fighting, but that were essentially similar. And yes, amends, Hannah in the feed. Amends is another example. Um, there's a few times when we've said like, okay, Buffy is saying X and we want to say the same thing about where we are right now. Anyway. I think um, since you mentioned the sort of B section, that what's kind of functioning as the verse, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of like uh, this song is more... Um, uh, adherent to like what I think of as the Drake form which is where you just write like a 
section and then another section and if they're good enough you can just like go back and forth and vibe out without having to change the lyrics too much you know <laughs> uh so the second thing that appears the la da da you know the um steps the section about uh moving forward i go the only way i've ever known a step and then again another one something that really strikes me about the episode of the show is that even though everything that's coming out of Buffy's mouth is this doesn't matter. Um, this isn't real. Uh, she's still doing everything. She's still keeping her sacred duty and protecting her sister and kissing Spike and doing a whole bunch of other stuff that like would a person who really, really didn't believe that it didn't matter. Like she still has some thread some tether and she's still like it's almost like she <laughs> has re retreated inside of herself but she's like got everything on like auto slayer so that like when she recharges all of her like joints will still be greased and she'll still be like super limber and ready to rock once she's like allowed herself to kind of like reform and then you know what i mean how am i doing <laughs> part two I I'll, I'll just add this much and then uh, kick me off. But uh, <laughs> like, there's something again, like I, I love my like slow kind of sad ballady stuff, uh, but there is like such a sense of hope behind the lyrics and the, the, the vocals that like keeps you going. I think that's what elicits things like tears typically with like music. That's why I love music. You, you did amazing. Oh my god! Ah, <clears throat> thank you so much. Is there something uh, in your eye, Jenny? There is at least one thing in my <laughs> eye, <laughs> and that is so kind. And I can't uh, that like is so meaningful, and uh, you know, just uh, really um, is exactly the sort of thing I think about when. Chris and I are on like Zoom hour 700 desperately scrambling to try to finish uh, a project like this one. And it's like, oh, wow. Uh, songs can mean something. Yes. <laughs> um, how fucking sick to get to keep communing with people like yourself and people like everybody in the chat um, and, and finding all of these different ways to continue to like connect to this story that we all love so much. Mm -hmm. Laz, thank you for being here with us. This was just such a delight. Yes, correct. And um, thank you for the beautiful art that you made for yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much. We will forever just be in awe of what you did um, for us and, and, and the project. And it's just great. And I'm sure we will collaborate again. I hope. Fingers crossed. I think we will. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right well have a wonderful rest of your evening thank you yes uh, you know you know what i mean there you I are i know exactly what you mean having feelings and then some I more know. feelings i oh, know oh my gosh and i just like to to add to what you were essentially just saying, Jenny, about like the the beauty of having the people in our orbit that we have in our orbit, I feel like 
oftentimes in our work together, when we collaborate with people, I have this experience of like, wow, we know all of these people who are so talented in so many ways, but I don't know that I have ever been knocked over by it as much as I was in this, in creating this episode. Um, someone asked about the overture and that, that was like a real moment for me. Like someone was like, so tell me about the overture. And it was like, oh, the overture like it was three days before, like, we hit our, we need to have all the music yeah. finished deadline. We, like, it was midnight the night before the final exam. <laughs> like, literally. And we were like, Ben, can we send you three to four songs and can you just make an overture? Like, literally. He did it in a day. He did it in a fucking yeah. day. So much. We haven't talked about John Mark uh, in this conversation, but we worked, Jenny and I worked so closely with John Mark Nelson, who produced this musical with us. And the amount of times that we were like, here's a thing. And he'd be like, well, but here's a thing. And we were like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Just like brilliant human beings that we are just so lucky to be in orbit with um, because. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, Jenny and I, I think you and I do good stuff, but we would not be anywhere without the incredible human beings that just surround us all the time. Oh, yeah. This was a real it takes a village situation. <laughs> and like fi- like 40% of that village was John Mark mm-hmm. and like 10% of <laughs> that village was you and me and 50% of that village was everybody else. Uh, um, Before we... Jenny, you're gonna play a song, and I and we're gonna have Mac come and talk about stereotype of Faye and all things once we're feeling. But before that, since you said villagers, I just want to tell like a tiny little story, which is that um, on Ren Fair and Levitatolingus was the first song that we wrote, but it was one of the last songs that we like put together. Um, like when mm-hmm. we came back to it, we were like, "What the fuck is this? Like, what did we do here? <laughs> what mm-hmm. is this song?" Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think I recorded my vocals first and then Jenny, Mm -hmm. you were recording your vocals and it was like 10 p.m. Like towards the end, we just had these very late nights where it would be like 10, 11 o'clock at night and Jenny would be texting me and I would be texting her like I did this thing. I fucking did this thing. and We were just exhausted and Jenny texted me. I created a choir of villagers and I was like, I'm sorry, you you did what now? And she was like, I created a choir of villagers and she just sent me like a clip of just the the people have a right to the people have a right to know the people have a right to know and it was all her just in case you don't know that i i'm hoping that you do but in case you don't know the entire village is jenny owen young's singing 400 different voices that she did with if, nope if you detected the villagers they are me if you didn't detect the villagers <laughs> they detected the villagers. sorry they're not louder or you're welcome it's I don't like know. A, it's like a fucking choir of like singers and also muppets like just singing yeah. together most of them are muppets like it's it's amazing on its own, but you have to understand my experience as a person who like we had not discussed a village. A village wasn't even on the fucking table. And then yeah, well, I was sudden... just like doing my vocals, comping the stuff, listening to the arrangement, and then I was like, I feel like 
there's something missing in refrain two and the thing that's missing is just a choir of muppety villagers so i guess i better do it oh it was so just so one of my favorite moments of the entire musical was getting that villager fucking choir from you so (laughs) (laughs) only because i just like oh okay i won't i won't lose my shit over it but just like imagining you by yourself in your fucking studio being like muppety voice jenny Oh, it kills me. Someone also asked who sings. Actually, I can I can tell you who asked this. I can go back to my document here. Sarah from Tampa. Who yells HD in problematic fave? I do. Renowned Jenny does all the parts. Voice actor Jenny Owen Youngs. <laughs> Jenny uh, does both the call and the response for yeah. 1080p and I HD. mean, that's really 1080p HD is my territory exclusively in the pod, so... Yeah. <laughs> I had to take both parts. Should I sing that song right now? Do, I, do the people? It's on the do agenda. The people have a right to hear. Do people have a right. They do to hear. I guess the one thing I realized while I was practicing this before we went live is that this really is designed not to be sung by just one person because there are a million syllables and they never stop. But here we go. You're gonna do great. Mmm, ba ba ba, mmm, ba ba ba, mmm, ba ba ba, Spike looks good. Mmm, ba ba ba, mmm, ba ba ba, mmm, ba ba ba, Spike looks good. Oh, well, I never wanted to be fabric before. Till I saw that black tea hugging all your consoles. Mmm, ba 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 ba, mmm, ba 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 ba, mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba, Spike looks good. Ba-ba-ba-ba, 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 Spike looks good. Got your washboard abs and black nails working for me. Let me see if those boots come off in 1080p. HD! Ba-ba-ba-ba, 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 Spike looks good. Ba-ba-ba-ba, 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 Spike looks good. You're a bleach blonde evil fiend who clawed his way out of the grave. But you're still our number one problematic fave. We're really missing somebody who should be weighing in. The queen of problematic faves, Joanna Robinson. <laughs> no one stands a chance against your cheekbones. I will save you all my mini marshmallows. Spike looks good. Spike looks good. Slurping some blood. Spike looks good. A sensitive stud. Spike looks good. Long leather coat. Spike looks good. Smoking a smoke. Spike looks good. Spike looks good. Spike looks good. Ta da! Wow! It just never stops. The singing, it never stops. You did so good. You hit every syllable in the whole song. Someone pointed out that Kristen muted herself because she knew she would sing along. Correct. I did. And I did. Oh, hi! Mac did. The time is here. Did the singing about Spike summon you? Absolutely. You know, I love Spike. Spike (laughs) is is my problematic fave. (laughs) 
Uh, listen, the people have a lot of questions, and one of them is, what the hell was it like to be a part of this musical? Tell us about your experience. So, like, what I said on um, tw- Twitter, I was like, come watch the most stressful thing I've ever helped create. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of them, I had a great time, but there was, like, a point near the beginning where we're like, we chose this. <laughs> We wanted to do this but it was actually really fun um once we we had to like hit up jenny uh pretty early on and go hi we don't we know how to we know how to like respond to the song but we don't necessarily know how to like write a song that is not responding to each line can you help us out and then we were on the right track so hooray so we both rewatched sweet song specifically uh, me in hopes that maybe it wasn't as bad as I remember it being. It was. Uh, <laughs> and all of us just sort of like refresh what it, uh, like what her memory was of it. And then we were like, all right, what do we specifically want to talk about? Like, what is the the big thing that we want to address? And it was kind of like, well, out of all of the things we've had up to this season, like apparently the villain that comes closest really to like annihilating everybody at one time is a black guy with the devil's face like what <laughs> and so we worked out from there going okay now like what is this a consistent thing is this somehow across all seasons and so then we started working that out and then my like pop culture history brain was like all right and here are all of the things that are referenced in the song that are wildly problematic uh, separately but collectively much worse and so that was our process. It was like, all right, here's the problem. We'll work it out. Here's some historical context. We'll work it out from there. So we had like some block ideas by the time we got to Jenny. This week on the Hellmouth, we've got some things to say about the shit they're serving about stereotypes of play. That dancing through the 20s in the 40s, thousand suits. Should fairies taste in the Somebody actually wrote in, I mean, there's so much, like, lyrically, probably there's more in Stereotype Buffet than any of the other songs. Like, just there's so, there's so much content in that song. Um, and and somebody specifically wrote in about Zoot Suits, one of one of many things that you talk about, and said, can Max tell us about, like, the the history of, of Zoot Suits and, and just talk more about that I lyric? I so much about them, you have no <laughs> idea. Oh. <laughs> So very specifically, Zoot Suits are uh, a type of essentially street fashion. I would even say maybe the first street fashion uh, that came into popularity uh, with jazz singers in the 1930s. So Cab Calloway, the famous jazz musician, actually wears it in his first film. And he also wears it in another opera I'm forgetting about. Basically, high-waisted pants with extremely baggy knees that can sometimes be up to 40 inches in the knee and very narrow cuffs at the ankles large long coats with like 1980 shoulder pads and they're often paired with a fedora uh but not like the one that you're thinking of like creepy dude to go m'lady not that kind of fedora uh usually much bigger with like very ostentatious uh feathers and they were originally popular with black young black folks and then by association closeness moved into the latino community and then italian americans then filipino americans and essentially it was a way to have their own distinct style and culture because in the 1930s through 40s it was basically fashion. If you watched a black and white movie, you know what most of America was just like. So this is a subculture mm-hmm. for younger folks. Um, 
But a couple of really interesting, like, historical figures. Uh, Cesar Chavez. There's some great pictures of him as a young man in suit suits. Uh, Malcolm X. Uh, <laughs> great pictures of him in suit suits. But because it was a subculture, uh, one of the things that came with it was uh, dancing. Um, and in a lot of cities, especially during World War II, white sailors would come in and they would bring girls to clubs. But, like, the guys in the zoot suits were flashier and cooler and could dance. And it created a lot of friction. Mm. Specifically here in L.A. Uh, was the first zoot suit riot where sailors essentially drug guys in zoot suits out of clubs and beat them for several days. Uh, to the point in which zoot suits were banned <laughs> because they were taking up too much material during the prohibition of like World War II when you weren't supposed to be using a lot of material for things. But it was really um, white sailors uh, were really upset that their girls wanted to dance with the guys who were flashy and cool. <laughs> and yeah, so there were lots of riots across America. I think LA was the first one. Um, and so eventually it came to an end in some places, but then it became in the Latino community, Pachuco culture, which is a great movie with uh, Edward James Ramos called Pachuco. And that is kind of what led into, if you're anyway familiar with like Latino gang culture, uh, the fashion that you see there in the 80s and 90s is directly from Pachuco culture having been developed in the 30s and 40s. That is my history lesson on zoot suits, but I have to give you a really fun quote first. Malcolm X, <laughs> in his autobiography, it's the best quote ever. Uh, so he said that zoot suit, a zoot suit is a killer dealer coat with a drape shape, reet pleats, and shoulder padded like a lunatic cell. And I think that's one of the greatest ways to describe it ever. <laughs> and that's wow. my history lesson for today. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mac, off off air, you also mentioned that you you have like links that because I see I see everybody in the chat is like just losing it right now. They're like, what? I need to know more. There are I will give Kristen links and we will put them places. We'll put them, we'll put them places. Like we always do. We'll put them places. The links will go in places <laughs> and you will be able to. Mm-hmm. But we will put them in the show notes and we will also put them on the uh, the website so you can read more about the history of Zoot Suits. I think what's so powerful about I mean, there's a million things that are powerful about the song that you and Alba um created with Jenny, but the amount of history like that we just picked out like a three words from right like that that's a three word piece of that song and there is an entire history there to unpack and to learn and i think that like that exists for all but i had to listen to me do it for like every point in the song (laughs) (laughs) i'm a little bad for her (laughs) so this is maybe the first thing i talked to jenny or to Kristen about when she hired me. I think it was like one of the first things where I was like, I got to talk about this song when you get to one A lot of thought went into that. But like the really cool part for me was I thought I was much older uh, when I first saw this, but apparently it was 2001. So I was like 12 or 13. Mm. <laughs> and even then I was like, something's um, not right here. <laughs> I didn't quite know what it was, but it was even more interesting watching it in the context of, of once more feeling as a whole as an adult, because after I watched Sweet Song, I went back and watched the whole thing and I was like, hold on, a creepy black dude preying on a little white girl is what's going to end Buffy's world. I was like, what? Yeah, that's what got me was I never thought about the song in the context of once more feeling and the wider context of the series mm-hmm. until we had to write the song where I was just like, 
We promise not to not to ha- not to make you write a song about every single thing that you have feelings about from now on. <laughs> we promise that. <laughs> we'll put a cap of five more songs. No more than five more songs. <laughs> look, okay, look. I am going to be a poster on somebody's wall, and I am. I will be on an album. I'm good. Life goal achieved. Cross it off the bucket list. Please never ask me to do this. <laughs> Sorry, Mac. Sorry, no Mac. No one is ever doing this again. This was a one-time, one-time only deal. One time. <laughs> but it was a really fun process. And it was also really fun shoving as much history as we could um, into one song. Mac, <laughs> uh, literally, oh, uh, just a delight. I'm so glad that you are fucking here with us tonight. Alba, just so everybody knows, Alba is like super fucking busy on a shoot. She's doing this like incredibly amazing thing up in Canada. And so that's why she's not here because otherwise it would have been both Mac and Alba. Um, but Mac, thank you for being here uh, and talking Absolutely. to us about some behind the scenes stuff. And you'll, you know, we have um, a lot of the writing process too. Like you'll get to see um, some <gasps> of the process that, well, <laughs> the parts that Mac approves you know the parts that you approve yeah, for yeah, yeah. general consumption by I the public. it's fine you're just gonna see like the same rotation of like my five sweatshirts and my oh three my facial <laughs> like what are we doing when i what, what are we doing? when i did the the like little trailer that i put up on tuesday it's like videos from like august until now and in 90% of them, I'm in the same sweater. Like 90%. I'm like, okay, it looks like it's just one video, but it's it's actually six months worth of video footage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mac, for um, the song and for everything that you're doing in this universe with us. Um, we will, I'm sure, talk to you very soon. Absolutely. I'll see y'all on Twitter. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Mac. wow thank you mac thank you laz thank you latoya fucking thank you everyone else who worked on this entire thing with us yes jenny i don't even know yeah like is there anything else that anyone would like us to talk about before we go we have been talking for almost two hours which is like apparently the new length of this podcast uh have i seen rent eight times you better fucking believe I have, Diana. On Broadway. <laughs> On Broadway. It's true. I saw it so many times. Um, it shaped me, you know. Uh, Faye wants to know if there's any songs or ideas for songs that we scrapped. Um, the only thing that comes to my mind, and Jenny, tell me if there's something else, but the the end of Kota Wu. Um, it's sort of like that melody was supposed to have been the like third or fourth song initially. Yeah. And we scrapped it. And it wasn't until a few days before, like, we were wrapped on everything that I was like, wait, we were like, because the idea was Coda, like, the Coda in Once More With Feeling is a blend of a Spike song and a Buffy song. And that was our plan for Coda Woo. But we had scrapped the song that had that melody in it. And so we just, it just wound up becoming not the thing that it was supposed to be. This is fine because you all loved it, but it was supposed to initially be a blend of two <laughs> things. Um, yes, um, the song. Yeah, it, well, it was, 
sorry, I have to explain to everyone that uh, when it was in the song three slot, the original lyric was... And it's not like we think Buffy'd be feeling in tip-top shape to fight some demons, but wow, it seems like her morale is at an all-time low. And although she's got a point worth making, it feels her heart's not in the staking. And maybe she'd feel better in the butterscotch embrace of her ex-beau. And literally every time that like we talked about the song, Jenny was like, so you just you just don't want it because of Riley, right? Like, I just can't talk about Riley. Is that like every song like when, when we would write other songs after that, she was like, so what about this melody? And I'm like, you just keep trying to get fucking Riley in this fucking musical and I won't stand for it. I just, you know, <laughs> I'm sure Mark Lucas has a lovely singing voice. Mm. So anyway, anyway um, butterscotch embrace of her expo, a, a lyric on the cutting room floor. How dare I? Alas. How dare I? Alas. The album is on Spotify. The album is on vinyl. The album is on Apple Music. And will we make a CD? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. We haven't really discussed it. We've talked for so long that mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, because Jenny, I think, Mm -hmm. I think we might be, I'm lying because I am going to talk more, but I think we might be at the end of the episode. Can I just say one thing about the song before you play it? Yes. Jenny and I cried so much during the making of this episode of the podcast, like so much, like John Mark would send us back, like, here's the, you know, this version of this song. And we would both just like be in our homes and listen and cry um, I just so many times was so overwhelmed with the fact that we were even able to do this. So we cried a lot. Um, end of the end of the episode, there was a there was a handful of songs. Once more with feeling, the end of the episode, um, and what in the actual were the songs that were not written until the very very end because we felt like we didn't really know what it needed. You know, like we we had to like figure out everything else and then we could figure those out. And when the end of the episode was first like recorded and played back I texted Jenny and I was just like oh no like I'm crying because I just keep thinking about us singing this (laughs) sorry I'm so sorry everybody but like I just keep thinking about us singing this at the end of the series like like that we're definitely going to be like somewhere uh, 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 doing a live taping and we're going to sing the song and I I was like already rewriting the lyrics to be like there's no more spoilers to fail I got very emotional <laughs> everyone's so mad I'm at you right sorry. now but it's just like I have a lot of feelings about it and I saw some of you talking about very similar things so <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like how dare you I'm sorry. I just want to share my feelings. Do you expect me to carry this all by myself? Anyway, Jenny, play the fucking song. Everybody wants me to stop having feelings. (laughs) Share your feelings, Kristen. Thank you, Warren. Well, because they don't want to have feelings. Thank you, Stephen. So... (laughs) It's the end. It's the end of the episode. We've had some highs, we've had some low, 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 lows, it's the end, it's the end of the episode, and everybody's lost now that they know, 
They can't see where to go Or how on earth to get there But they've made it up till now And so It's the end It's the end of the episode Guess we'll figure out together where we'll go We've got lots of awards for attention to mail, jingles to write, and spoilers to veil. Hunks to examine, we'll manage somehow. Erotic novellas await, but for now, it's the end. It's the end of the episode and you know we hate to say goodbye it's the end it's the end of the episode if you'll excuse me i have something in my eye wow (laughs) uh and just so you know jenny you missed it but emily Backpatch Emily said, press F in the chat for feelings. So you see <laughs> that's why there's all the Fs. I also sent Fs <laughs> from us. So, um, wow. Thank you, Backpatch. Yeah, we have a lot of feelings. This has been fucking cool. Uh, you you all fucking are the best. And um, normally when we do a live taping, we howl out together. We didn't really give you a super big heads up. But if you have your recording devices ready them with your feelings ready them please ready them um thank you see sophia was already thinking about the end of the episode i don't mean to have all the feelings this is i was born this way okay so Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) correct (laughs) what a time we had jenny do you feel ever so youngs wow yes do you feel proud looking back do you feel proud of yourself so proud do you feel proud of yourself so proud for, for, for what so you proud. have wrought I thought this day would never come <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would never be finished but it is and I'm so pleased at the end towards the end of making this episode I just kept being like Jenny but it's just four more days it's just it's four more days it was like, just like <laughs> we did it I'm proud of us we did it yes um, uh, and thanks for being so we, nice, everybody, about this it. This sounds like... You've been very nice. Yes, very nice. And it also, it sounds like scripted. It's not. I just, it, like, we truly, truly, genuinely could not have done this thing without all of you. Oh, we couldn't have. It, like, that is a literal statement, not a statement for any other purpose. It is just, like, the facts. Um, so thank you for all of the support uh, that you give us, because we wouldn't have been here without it. We wouldn't be. It is true. All right. Now get your little phones out or your recording. Enter that fucking voice memo that shit up. The time has come for me to say what only I can say. (laughs) Too much power. Till next time. (laughs) Mm, Till next time. I'm just milking it to see what I can get away with. Okay. This is the real one. Till (laughs) next time. Welcome. You've got a digital folklore. Monsters lurk 
in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can all... <coughs> hey, holy hey, Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.